This is deep dive. I'm Yunqi. Picture this: coming home after a hard day's work. What beverage would you prefer on your dining table? Whatever your answer may be, it's highly unlikely that your glass will be filled with wine produced in China. Statistics reveal that wine consumption in China is much lower than the global average, and its sales performance lags far behind many other alcoholic beverages. But that doesn't mean wine producers haven't been eyeing one of the world's largest consumer markets. Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese begins his first visit to China this weekend, which is also the first visit by an Australian PM since 2016. One of the priorities during Albanese's trip is to discuss Australian wine. We're very confident that this will result in once again Australian wine, a great product, being able to go. To China, Australian wine used to make up over one third of wine imports into the Chinese market, but only for a while. How did Australian wines lose their market share in China, and why are they at the top of the Prime Minister's agenda during his visit to China? In this episode, we have our former Australia correspondent Fei Fei to look into this challenging journey. This episode is brought to you on Friday, November the third. So Fei Fei, can you first tell us what was the turning point for Australian wines in the Chinese market? Well, it actually started in the period from 2020 to 2021. So in 2020, China's Ministry of Commerce said it would start an anti-dumping investigation into Australian wine products that are less than two liters. Because they received filing from the China Alcoholic Drinks Association, and then in March of the next year, which is in 2021, the ministry announced their ruling. They said they did find dumping and subsidies on wine from Australia, which brought injuries to the Chinese wine industry. So the authority decided to impose more than 200 percent tariffs on Australian wines. For a period of five years, and that announcement was like dropping a bomb in the Australian wine industry because the Chinese clients were and are still are one of the most important partners for Australian winemakers and wine dealers for more than two decades. Also, at that time, they are facing very fierce competitions from other wine-producing regions, like in France. In the U.S. and in Chile and many many more other countries, so these two hundred percent tariffs definitely were the main cause for a later dive in Australian wine sales in China. So the Chinese tariff brought a lot of impact to Australian wine exports. So what was Australia's reaction to this tariff? Well, actually, if we look at the timeline of、um, tariffs imposed on both on products from both sides, it actually started in 2019. That is、uh, when Australia decided to、uh, impose anti-dumping measures on some Chinese products. So before these Chinese anti-dumping investigation on Australian wine products, Australia announced they would impose tariffs and duties. On wind towers and railway wheels from China, and then the next year in 2020, Australia announced another such duties 
on Chinese stainless steel sinks. So these three Chinese products were facing tariffs as well from Australian authorities. Then China took these disputes to the World Trade Organization, but investigations and resolutions normally takes a very long time, and the procedure is very lengthy. So still, until this day, these、mm. three Chinese products、um, are still facing duties in Australia, and also vice versa. Australia also filed their complaint. About the Chinese tariffs on their wine to the WTO, and that dispute is also still under investigation till this day. Right. So China's tariff on the Australian wines in 2020 was actually a response to the previous tariffs actions from the Australian government. But back to the wine market in China. I think when speaking about、uh, wine imports in the Chinese market, you normally hear about.、Um, Those products from France,、um, Australia, Argentina, and Italy, and also many other countries. So, Fefe, as our former correspondent in Australia, and I'm not sure how much of an enthusiast you are to Australian wines. How were their performance before 2020 in the Chinese market? I mean, compared to imports from other countries. Well, I would argue that Australia had the most successful wine business in China. For a period of time,、uh, especially compared to more traditionally well-known wine-producing regions、mm. like those in France, it was helped by a number of factors. The number one is definitely the China-Australia free trade agreement that was put into place in 2015. This FTA deal exempted tariffs on many Australian imports to China, including wine. And that deal promised that tariffs on Australian wine will be down to zero over a period of four years. So before this FTA was put into place, Australian wine imports were already ranked the second in the Chinese market, right after French wine. And then after four years, after the tariffs was down to zero in 2019, they surpassed French wine、okay. to become the number one, the biggest one. wine imports in the Chinese market, because they enjoy zero tariffs. But at the same、right. time, French wine still has to pay、okay. 14 percent of tariffs on their exports to China. So from there, wine trade between China and Australia kept swelling. Until they became a billion-dollar market as of January 2020, and in 2020, Australian wine made up almost a third of all wine imports、one、to the Chinese、third. market. Yes, one third of the market. So that's a huge market share in China, and I can assume this must have created like a huge wine industry in Australia, so they could maintain their advantage. Ahead to stay ahead in the Chinese market. Yes, definitely. The Australian winemakers,、uh, wine dealers, they put a lot of efforts into their marketing and branding of the Australian wine, and the reason for that comes from both sides. One is that China only started to import wine in bulk after the country joined the World Trade Organization in two thousand one. And you know, wine was a brand new idea to Chinese consumers. It's very, it's a very, it's a completely different drink from other alcoholic drinks、mm. that Chinese used to drink, like the baijiu liquor or the、right. rice wine. 
And then at the same time, a lot of marketing strategies kept telling the Chinese consumers that drinking wine also has a lot of etiquette and history and、mm. culture behind it. So Chinese consumers were also very curious about this new drink and all the interesting history and culture behind each bottle. Definitely. And then, of course, at first, French wine,、uh, not surprisingly, became the number one. One choice for the Chinese consumers, because they are traditionally known around the world for their wine, and Australian wine didn't made a lot of a big share in the Chinese market. And frankly, in the global market, Australian wine is also not a very big producer at that time. So relatively a lesser known brand. Yes. Yes, I'm curious how did it, how did it grow its share in the Chinese market, right? Well, they took a lot of efforts into first of all branding and sort of trying to make their wine more palatable for the Chinese consumers. So,、okay. entering into 2010s, Chinese people first of all got richer and they want more wine.、Mm. And but then at the same time, the for a lot of these beginner drinkers, French wine is a little difficult to swallow because it's more acid. Okay. And Also, it's priced a little higher than wines from other countries like Australia, and so not, then not beginner friendly. Not beginner friendly, but on the other hand, Australian wine or what they call the New World wine is more fruity, can、mm. be a little sweeter, and the, they had what they call fuller body, and it's more easy to drink for beginners. And also, a lot of Australian wines can also easily pair with Chinese food. So that's why Australian wine became more palatable for Chinese drinkers at an affordable prices.、Mm, right. So they seized the opportunity. Yes, they seized the opportunity.、Market. And then also the Australian government is also trying to push their wine into the Chinese market.、Um, the federal government of of Australia has an export and regional wine support package. This is a grant program which the Australian government will keeps pumping money into this program to help wine exporters, to help grape farmers, wine brewers, wine dealers, or、mm, just any business a, related to it's wine. It's a huge industry. Yes. So, for example, in 2017, the program received 50 million Australian dollars、um, to bolster Australians wine exports and tourism. And that program also pinpointed China and the U.S. as their primary marketing targets. So, during that time, a lot of business insiders were very pumped by this government support with real money, and some of them also said the the Australian wine industry had a very tough decade after two thousand and seven. That's because. You know, traditionally, before two thousand seven, Australian wine was not a big brand globally, and they faced a lot of their primary marketing targets are in European countries, which are already very famous in producing their own wine. So a lot of Australian wine brands were sort of on the lower end of the wine markets. And they are very vulnerable to any changes happening in the market. For example,、uh, 
um, inflation, for example, any disruptions in shipping. Mm. And for example, in 2007 to 2008, the climates were not desirable to grow grapes. So the grape growing impacted Australians' wine production and sales. So that's why a lot of Australian wine brands and even the Australian government started to look for more newer markets like China. Mm. And so starting from there, with the federal government grant, with the effort on branding and marketing to the Chinese market, slowly uh, Australian wine became a more established brand for Chinese consumers. And a lot of Chinese drinkers are quite familiar with a number of Australian wine brands like Penfolds, like Yellowtails. And when it comes to China, the China-Australian wine trade brought more than soaring sales of wine products. Starting in 2013, some Chinese investments have also gone to Australia to try to invest in the Australian winemaking businesses and vineyards. And this money actually helped a lot of smaller winemakers in Australia and vice versa as well. Like uh, a lot of Chinese consumers and businesses are getting more curious about Australian wine and they started to learn from their Australian counterparts in terms how to brew the wine and how to branding and marketing their wine. So it became a classic win-win situation for both Chinese wine industry and Australian wine industry. Right. I think the Australian wines have like grown so big that it's no longer just the wine itself. It's created like a whole industry from the grape growers and then to the people that's teaching the culture and etiquette of drinking wines. And I can only assume that will play a big part of Australia's export sector. So how much did China's tariff reflect on Australia's economy? Well, naturally, um, the impacts brought by these 200% tariffs on Australian wine were felt pretty much across the Australian economy. First of all, the exports of wine soon plummeted some 80% mm. in 2021 after the tariffs were imposed. And the exports dropped from more than 770 million US dollars to just $5 million dollars. But more than wine trade, the tariffs also hurt, like you said, a lot of vineyards and grape farmers. And because with the huge demands coming from the Chinese market, many Australian vineyards expanded their production over the past two decades. And this pen was, I think, doubled considering the context, you know, 2021 was also the year that global supply chain was disrupted by the COVID-19 pandemic. So they faced a severe oversupply problem. According to a Rabobank analyst, Australia's vineyards have enough wine in storage to fill some 860 Olympic swimming pools. That is Mm. over 2.8 billion bottles. But that's not only because of the smaller demands coming from the Chinese market, but also the production of the grapes has gone up because the climate is favorable for growing that plant in recent years. So a lot of factors contributing to the wine industry's oversupply issue. Nearly 3 billion bottles of unsold wines that are 
piling up in the storage. So the Australian government must be looking for ways to remedy this situation. And uh, have there been any attempts from the Australian government? Yes,、um, the Australian government they took the complaint to the World Trade Organization in June 2021 to try to solve the wine tariffs. But、mm. as I said, you know. A WTO procedure is very lengthy, so there is no easy, quick fix to it. But for winemakers, they are figuring out their own ways. For example, one of the most well-known Australian wine brands, Penfolds, started to produce wine locally here in China. They launched Made in China wine that used grapes growing in China's provinces of Yunnan and also another region called Ningxia. Uh, so they are trying to stay in the Chinese market for a little bit longer,、mm. uh, because a lot of the business insiders in the wine industry actually said there is no other better alternative than the Chinese market, especially considering the oversupply they had in their industry at the moment. So obviously, the relation between China and Australia has been a pretty rocky. Path. I mean, over the past years, but the Australian Prime Minister is paying a state visit to China for the first time、um, since 2016, and、uh, with this on the table,、uh, will Australian wine be a sign that their relation is heading back toward a more amicable dynamic? Well, I think based on. The signals we get so far, the bilateral ties between China and Australia is warming up.、Uh, the first sign, I think, was actually in the last December when Australia's Foreign Minister Penny Wong visited China, sending the signal of warming of the bilateral tie. And then more discussions, talks, and meetings were held between the two sides. In April, Australia suspended its WTO complaint. Against China on its barley exports to the country, and then in August, that's very soon, China lifted that 80% tariffs imposed on Australian barley, and then things got really fast tracked in the month of September. That Australian Prime Minister Anthony Albanese met with Chinese Premier Li Qiang on the sidelines of the East Asia Summit in Indonesia. And that meeting was actually the first one between these two leaders, and sent another thawing sign of that China and Australia relationship is slowly going back. I think the both of the two leaders said they should handle their differences properly, in the spirit of mutual respect, seeking common ground while shelving differences. And they want to promote further improvement and development of the bilateral relationships. So that means more actions would take place from there. And then on that very same day,、uh, the two countries also held their first high-level dialogue in over three years in Beijing. And experts, you know,、uh, officials, they get together, talked about a lot of topics like. Politics, like trade, like global issues, and also people-to-people exchanges, and these kind of dialogues has been put on a pause for three years.、Mm. So people are very exciting to see that you know dialogue is finally back on the table. And then coming back to the wine, the WTO investigation in wine is still underway, 
But talks between China and Australia are also, you know, starting to taking place in the beginning of this year. So also in September, China's Ministry of Commerce proposed a package resolution for the dispute with Australia. And that means this package includes the anti-dumping and countervailing measures on Australian wine and similar Australian measures uh, against the three Chinese products. Even though Australia hasn't agreed on that package yet, but the talk is underway. So it's a good sign. And with, as you said, Albanese is coming to China. And before his visit, he actually gave some previews of his trip to China. And of course, he said the wine trade dispute will be on his agenda when he talks with Chinese leaders. And the prime minister also said he will be attending the upcoming import expo in Shanghai, which the Australian officials was absent for the past almost more than three years. And Australia used to be a very high profile and active participant in Mm. the import expo. So I think a lot could happen during this weekend. Yeah. So I think a lot of positive signs could be sending out during over this weekend and also during the CIIE week in Shanghai. So there must be a lot of people that are keeping their eye on the visit of Australia's prime minister. Yes, definitely. Thank you very much, Vive. Thank you for having me. Uh, This is uh, a a decision that will be worth more than a billion dollars in Australia's exports. Uh, This is a very significant decision because unlike some of the other products, uh, the wine industry have indicated they were having difficulty finding other markets to fill uh, the gap that was created uh, by the breakdown in the uh, trade with China. So this is critical. According to the Chinese Foreign Ministry, Anthony Albanese will attend the opening ceremony of the 6th China International Import Expo. This year, the world's largest import fair will be held in Shanghai from this weekend till next Friday. And 50 years ago, Gough Whitlam visited China for the first time as Australia's Prime Minister. The trip came after the establishment of diplomatic ties between the two countries, and their relationship deepened in the following years. For Anthony Albanese, his visit may also be about more than just trade ties. It is important that we stabilize our relationship uh, with China. That is in the interest of uh, Australia and China. And it is indeed in the interests of the world uh, that we have stable relations. And uh, that is uh, what this this visit uh, will represent. And that brings us to the end of this episode of Deep Dive. If you enjoyed what you just heard, don't forget to follow us on your podcast platform. Just search for Deep Dive. You can also leave comments to let us know what you want to learn about China and beyond. This episode is brought to you by me, Yunqi, and my colleagues Zhang Zhang and Qi Zhi. Special thanks to CGTN radio reporter Fei Fei. I'll see you in the next one.